This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Magnin. And I'm Luc Olivier Dumablet. And our topic this week is... Dreaming about my future smart on setup. Ooh. Uh, but first, I have some follow-up. Uh, this morning, uh, the gods over at Line, our favorite social network, uh, decided to have their yearly announcement day. And we got really lucky because this year it was the same day we were recording. And they announced something very exciting, which is Line Pay, which is their payment uh, service in Japan. Uh, well, actually, it's all over the world. It's not just in Japan. Uh, they announced that they are going to be supporting QR code payment in Apple Wallet in iOS 14. And they are officially the first company uh, worldwide to actually announce that they are going to be supporting this feature, which has technically not been announced yet for iOS 14. So presumably we might be hearing more about it uh, during the Apple event next week. Um, we previously mentioned this functionality a little bit uh, when we were talking about Alipay. Uh, originally, the API specifically mentioned Alipay by name, and uh, throughout the summer, it actually became a more generic QR code payment API uh, as part of the wallet uh, stuff. And LinePay is the first service to actually announce they're getting on board. The rumors are pointing to PayPay, which is the big QR code payment uh, company in Japan, uh, announcing shortly uh, thereafter that they are also going to be on board. But I don't know if they're one of the partners, but it would be really stupid if they weren't, uh, considering how they are basically the market leader right now for QR code payments in Japan and unfortunately maybe even getting bigger than Apple Pay, which kind of sucks. Uh, so... <laughs> But that's a topic for a different episode. But yeah, ju just keep an eye out. Uh, LinePay has announced QR code payment support in iOS 14. I'm excited about that. I've never used LinePay because why would I when I can use Suica, which is better? But uh, still interesting to see that coming out. And we'll surely talk about it eventually once it's out. Does it mean it's time for our friends at Currency? What was the name of the Walmart-based <laughs> QR code one that never uh, got traction? It was QR base, a QR code base. So it would be really funny if like Currency died like the week before the feature came out or something stupid <laughs> like that, like a timely no, death. It died a while back. So maybe who knows? Maybe it will come back now that uh, Apple supports it. It's quite though. It's quite funny uh, with all those rumors now. Uh, Line being officially announcing this uh, that. It seems, again, it seems that Apple might be conceding adding support to that uh, because you could say that, no, they wanted to be like, uh, they were all in into uh, Apple Pay and NFC technologies. And now they kind of see, be like, okay, yes, there's, uh, we have strong players in different world markets that we cannot ignore no more. And maybe better for us to have native support in our phones versus relying on their apps. Well, I've heard rumors that, Basically, this is the first step this year, and next year is a larger push into NFC payments with uh, arbitrary payment providers, not necessarily like card emulation, mm -hmm. but for example, PayPay could decide to use uh, the NFC chip and the iPhone to actually like do their pay payment business. Uh, there have been multiple rumors about that, but I'm not quite sure how much of that is actually legit but it could be something to like look out for next year and uh like just because a bunch of industry news happened this week like super uh the next generation of felica was announced this week uh, which is going to be used in super Su super suica which is coming up uh in the next couple of years so there there is a lot of movement in all of the mobile payments world and it's going to be very exciting next few years which is why 
we're going to need to do a mobile payments part two very soon. And like, I've started working on it. Don't worry for everybody. It, it, it's going to happen. It's just, this is not the week. Speaking of things that are not going to be happening on the week, in two weeks from now, Edikovi is not going to be on the episode. That's true. That's true. And tonight's topic is kind of related of uh, not related to yeah it is related to the reason why so in about two weeks i'll be moving so it will be hard for me during that week to record the podcast uh in theory at that time it should still be in my current apartment uh but with all the boxes that will be at that time and preparing all the move the weekend after so the weekend will we be usually releasing an episode uh, it will be hard for me but stay tuned uh yannick should be on air Uh, Yes, and uh, we'll keep you posted through via our twitter account yes we're going to have a special guest and that's all i'm gonna say for now that's a good teaser yeah all right let's move into your topic right so like i just mentioned uh to this week we will be dreaming which mm -hmm, when i told that to your nick he kind of realized oh dreaming means also possibly a temptation of spending money (laughs) which yeah, while preparing for this episode, uh, every time we po- talk about smart home gadgets, uh, it is, I wouldn't say it's hard for the wallet, but it's, the temptation is, uh, quite strong. Uh, but t- tonight I kind of want to bring back, uh, I would say it's not a follow up of follow up, but uh, in the past year or so, we had two past episodes about uh, smart home appliances or smart home gadgets uh, episode uh, 109 uh, where Yannick gave you uh, his smart home buying guide and in episode 130 uh, where I reviewed the uh, Google Home Mini Gen 2 so this week what I would like what I would like to do is first start by reviewing not a uh, providing you with an update of my current setup so to see where we would start from i uh, i don't have some small changes happen in the past few months and also i have some updates from my past few months of google home mini uh, usage then uh, i would like to go through some of the categories we discussed in the next episode some that we did not and classify in three points the first one would be category of dinguses let's put them the way this way that i did not consider currently because of my current uh, living situation the second category would be the items i never considered at all that maybe i could start considering um, and the last one which is kind of two f's uh the first one will be smart home stuff that i'm still not interested to do and why and the other ones are wild cards stuff that uh, stuff that a could be expensive but i'm not sure but it could be just fun for the fun of it so uh we will explore those but first as i mentioned we'll start with a small update of my current setup so as you may recall or you may not uh, my main smart home setup is consistent of a Philips Hue. Uh, I don't want to go into too much details about it because we discussed it in previous episodes. So there is going to be a link into the show notes about that. Uh, but the main update to this is uh, in episode 130 in February, I was mentioning that I was no longer using uh, Ombridge and that 
uh, Philips Hue was starting to kind of downplay the Bridge V1 and its related iOS app. And since then, uh, they officially announced and deprecated the V1 Bridge, especially its cloud-based functionalities. So the, at this point, the main usage I had was to link my uh, Philips Hue Bridge version 1 with a Google Assistant. And that in uh, April was shut down. And part of it being shut shut down, uh, Philips, I think at this point it's now Signify, the company that bought the lighting assets for, from Philips, uh, provided a transition package to those V1 users. So for more or less the same price, I think it was $5 more than the typical prices you pay in Canada. So I think that if I recall correctly, the bridge is currently... Cheapest price I've seen is $55. I think on Amazon is like $53.99, something like that. But for $60, you would get this Bridge V2 to keep those functionality. And you would get two additional, and I forgot the name. I always forget the, 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 the socket size for those uh, bulbs. But the E26 uh, or, yeah, E26 or A19. I don't know why on the behind the box it says e26 and then at front it says a single a19 bulb but the as i mentioned in previous episode the typical sockets you see in uh, north america and you would get those two of those and they were the uh, ambience one so they were like all the color the all color mode uh one also it is the updated one so there are they, these are the uh, 800 lumens and the one that are now uh that you can now control via Bluetooth. Uh, and a couple of years ago, uh, Philips released new bulbs that you wouldn't need a bridge to control uh, as a way to have a cheaper smart home starter kit. Um, they released those bulbs that your phone can directly connect to. Again, since I still have a bridge and uh, that I would like to use the uh, all the assistance. I never really use this functionality. And overall, you'll see, I think, part of when we revisit some uh, uh, smart home categories, uh, you'll see that this is a common theme where usually, from what we've heard from a lot of people, when the um, device is connecting over Bluetooth, the connectivity reliability is, the connection reliability, excuse me, is not so great. So again, uh, your mileage very, very with the Philips U when continued with Bluetooth. I haven't tried them, uh, but I was quite happy with this deal um, because again, at that point, uh, I had, uh, I still have, excuse me, the Google Home Mini, and I wanted to keep this functionality because, as mentioned in the Google Home Mini review episode, uh, I quite like controlling it, uh, controlling the bulbs with my voice. But that's sadly where the, uh, I think the good story ends with, not Philips, but with the Google Home Mini. I just mentioned that, you know, I like it controlling the voice and such. But uh, if you may recall, I got those two uh, from the YouTube premium deals last Christmas. Uh, and since Tony and I are on a family plan, we were allowed to get one each. And I kind of have a success rate of 50% with them. Oh. So I have one in my bedroom and then one in the living room and as you may expect the one living room will get a bit more usage because we might turn on the off lights uh, more frequently and for a couple of now uh, months now um, the one in the living room would just 
unlink itself from the uh, from my Google Home account for my so for my Google account, uh, and then it will say just the typical phrase I won't name um, to trigger it, and then it will just say please log in. Uh, and it's weird because mine, as I mentioned, uh, are set in French, so then it, I was like, oh, okay, I know it gets it got unlinked because it would then start talking to me in English, just saying please. I think it's something like please go in the Google app whatever to uh, configure this uh, device, something. I forgot the, the, the exact sentence. And this would only happen for this Google Home Mini. The one in the bedroom has been rock solid. And the funny part too is that it's the one the farthest away from my Wi-Fi router. So I, again, it could still be Wi-Fi problems, but uh, that would be quite unlikely in my book. And this anecdote brings me to another anecdote is today in preparation for this episode, I started to put aside a bit of my laziness and then contact Google to see what they can do with that. So first point, I've started to Google this problem and it seems it has been a pretty common problem that started to happen at the start of the year. I'll post a thread, I think it's like late December last year, but people start to mention that uh, their Google Home Minis would get unlinked from the Google account. So there's a thread from the Google supported Google.com. Uh, and then when I start to see that, people start to mention that, yes, there's a couple of updates since then, but it seemed that people uh, add it or miss with those new updates. So I started to dig again because I have two at home, one that is rock solid and one that is not. And I discovered that the one in the living room cannot i don't know why but it's stuck in an old firmware and every time if i try to myself factory reset it reconfigure it and in, in theory it should look at the server and then try to fetch uh for the update still doesn't do it uh so today i contacted google support decided to see how's google support when they sell devices and I think so far, again, this is still an in-progress situation. I shall have some more follow-up in the next few episodes. But I was quite uh, surprised. Uh, it was mainly through chat. I could have called or they could have even called me. So there's a couple of options there. But for remote-based support, it was quite helpful. Uh, so the person I was talking to, they helped me go through some uh, like unlink step, they surprisingly me even try ask me if I could try to use my mobile hotspot to maybe say like you know maybe it's something with your internet connection confirm that it's not something with your internet connection uh, that is blocking the uh, firmware update, um, and then we went through all those steps, and they're like okay we have an open case with you, uh, keep us posted uh, if it reappens again because if it reappens again we'll literally ship you a replacement unit, so like okay. Uh, quite nice i wish that they wouldn't do that they could fix the one i got but if the one is the one i got is bricked and cannot get the updates um, i want something that works because throughout the last few months i quite like having um a, like a random speaker especially for controlling the smart lights i i think what i've realized is we don't really use it for other smart functionalities for sure we don't have that much more um other smart appliances the only one is the Roomba and even with that as I've discussed uh in that Google uh, review episode Google Home Mini review episode that uh the integration with the Google Assistant is kind of bare bones so at this point I always use the uh 
uh, iRobot app. And even then, most cases, I'll just go press the button on the Roomba and start, or it is always programmed for to start uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So uh, the Google Omni assist, uh, Omni only gets usage with smart bulbs. Um, and for that, it is quite good. But now that I've got, and I'm coming back to the Philips Hue, now that I've got HomeKit support back and that everything is configured, I have those two worlds. I can fully compare the experience of HomeKit slide system versus Google's assistants linked to light systems. Uh, of course, they go through um, Philips Hue in between, but you see the difference in architecture. And what I mean by that is that, as you might expect from Google, everything in Google Assistant, and I think the same logic with Amazon, everything that has happened with the Google Assistant goes through a server at some point. So the way it talks to your Philips Hue bridge is not directly via LAN. It is throughout your internet connection, through the Philips Hue API, then back to your bridge. If you compare it with HomeKit, which is more a direct link over your local network, you clearly see the difference. I wouldn't say that when you use Google SM, it is slow, but literally when you talk to Siri, which again, we've we've discussed in great lengths our, I guess, passionate eight of Siri <laughs> in this podcast. But again and again, if you hear when people say HomeKit is the best place where Siri works, this strongly is applied in my own experience. I think the, the the funny thing is again my Siri is configured in French. All our room names is in French. So and I think Tony's Siri is in English. So sometimes it's funny for that and doesn't get it correct. Uh, but the main distinction I see between Siri and HomeKit and Google Assistant and the Google Mini is that first HomeKit is faster, and B with the Google Mini because it knows which room you are with the smart speaker. You, you, it uh, allows you to be a bit unclear. So when you say turn on the lights, when the uh, mini in my living room picks it up, it knows I'm in the living room. So it knows to turn on the lights from the living room. With Siri, because usually it's triggered from my phone that I don't have a HomePod. And I would like, I, hmm, I should have asked my friends with HomePods to see if uh, HomeKit is smart enough for that. I would assume so. Um, but again, because usually it's triggered either from the watch or from my iPhone. And even one day I was like, oh, my phone is somewhere. Like I left it in the office and I was in the living room. I'm like, ah, oh, and of course, again, the meeting was down. So I was like, how do I, how do I turn off the lights? I was like, ah, oh, I'm on my iPad. Let's use it on the iPad. And it was weird for me because I was like fetching for the other devices without realizing that with Apple's ecosystem, you always have a devices with you that can talk to HomeKit. Um, and I guess I don't want to go into the tangent about smart home speaker just yet. Uh, but I think that's kind of what Apple is saying with smart home speakers is you have a device already. And I think Phil Schiller has been quoted saying that. Yeah. Um, so it was funny because that happened a couple uh, days ago. And I was like, duh, I have the device already. And then guess what? Ask Siri. It was super fast. And then it's funny because when Siri does our typical like, oh, yes, I turned off the lights. She's not even started to pronunciate the first word that the lights are already off. Mm -hmm. Like 
if you got up, turn off the switch, and it's like instant. So that is something I really like with the way uh, HomeKit reacts to things, even through Siri compared to uh, Google Home. Because with Google Home, you say like, blah, 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 turn off the lights. And then it was like, it will do its its chime. And then at the same time, the chimes plays, then the light will start slowly to fade. But with Siri, it's like super instant. I believe the HomePod does actually do what you're talking about, which is like, if you say it's in a given room, it will automatically like deduce from context that you mean turn off the lights for the room. Um, I've always thought like if Apple eventually releases their weird Apple tags thing that is never apparently coming out, <laughs> uh, I was thinking like maybe you could use that or something like it to maybe like mark the corners of your room or something. And then if you're in the middle of the room or something, uh, your iOS devices could know, oh, well, I'm in this room. So I could hmm. deduce context that way. Like there, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are little hacks you could do like that to try and be smarter without necessarily shelling out for a HomePod. But like, uh, I don't know. Would you want to cannibalize the HomePod that way? I think they're... They're different markets, honestly, but like... No, uh, I kind of agree with where you're going with this, but just like the, the thought process of maybe trying to find a way to give more, uh, to make your iPhone more context aware in a place where, like inside with a home, like inside location. Well, where... kind of like iBeacons, right? Yeah, kind of like that, because that's why Apple is using iBeacons is for like literally uh, location inside buildings. Uh, yeah. So that could be nice, uh, but again... Uh, Again, it, I don't think it's a downside. It's just that because I don't have a home pod, that doesn't work. Last but not least, Roomba. I think nothing has changed with the Roomba. It's the best invention on the planet, <laughs> but it is not I because agree. It, it's not because it is a smart appliance. It's not because it's a smart appliance. You can tinker the same way you can tinker a bit with your lights, kinda. Um, it's just because Roomba as a smart um, why am I blinking on the word that describes the Roomba? Vacuum cleaner. Thank you. I'm not. I don't know why tonight I'm blanking on vacuum cleaner, but I was. So yes, uh, because Roomba is a smart vacuum cleaner, and that's that's why it is. It's like because it knows where to go in your room. It does the job for itself, and you don't need to do it. That's why it's a nice machine. Not because you can program it or you can trigger it remotely. I don't see the value in that. Uh, the program, hmm. the, the the program I do, but yeah. not triggering it remotely. Uh, maybe it's because I have two cats, and you know, my first few months of usage, something happened with um, some puke and the cats, and us being in uh, uh, gone for Christmas. So I'll uh, leave it there. So oh. we learn our mistake to never let it run while we're gone. Well, if I can just like give a brief note about um. Like, I, I think programming is the ideal scenario. Like, you would want to have it uh, programmed to run while you're out of the house or something like that. Like, that's what I do. I just, like, leave and at 10.30 every day it vacuums. Uh, the one thing that I appreciated the remote on and off thing for was uh, during quarantine, actually, because I was here every day. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I turned off the program because Roombas are actually, well, at least my Roomba is quite loud and mm -hmm. it I was annoying. Right. Uh, so having the ability to like go do the groceries randomly and if I remember when I'm like uh, in line or uh, just like on the way to the store and I'm like, oh, right, I could have the vacuum do its thing right now. Uh, being able to launch it directly from my phone 
uh, is actually really cool. Instead of like coming back from the grocery store and then realizing, oh, I shouldn't have pressed the button before leaving. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's pretty cool. Or just like uh, if I was on the bus or something, I could just like trigger it remotely. So there more opportunities if you're not in a situation where you are scheduling it uh, to be able to launch it remotely when you can think of it is pretty good. I think what I liked about its remote feature is literally to know its status. Because yeah. before COVID, when we were getting to offices, it was nice. I My schedule is still the same, even if we're at home. Uh, usually we tend to just uh, stop it and then start la- later in the day or when we are just like doing chores. Yeah, one of the moments I like to start it is literally we do chores, like cleaning the dishes and we're like or like folding clothes. And we're like, oh, crap, we also need to vacuum the apartment. So we let it do its job while we're doing that, and then the apartment gets cleaner faster, and that's made magic. <laughs> the yeah. other side is literally when we go to work, it was nice to know, oh, man, it got stuck in something again. Tony loved the one, like, it's on the edge of a cliff, and we're like, yeah. <laughs> inside the apartment, you cannot, you cannot, there's no stairs, nothing. Like, the, yeah. the outside, like, how do you do that? And then you find the Roomba stuck in like some uh, in a bag, and then like like jacked forty five degrees on its side. It's like crazy sometimes. Uh, but to go back also to some of the uh, uh, like Roomba lessons we learned is uh, sometimes a cat will puke when we're gone for multiple days. Uh, so when we were working, it was totally fine. But when we left for a couple of days, that's when we realized, oh yeah, that's true. That the cat sometimes has a tendency to eat too much because we're away, and then they didn't are stupid and puke so Mm -hmm. uh that's when we came back uh a couple uh, literally a month after we bought it like last december and it's like so much fun cleaning it so Mm. moral story is if you have i would say if you have kids but no if you have animals (laughs) (laughs) uh and you leave for a long while i maybe depending on the animal if you leave for two hours maybe not a good idea to have roomba uh run while you're gone because some fun stuff might happen and that more or less wraps up my current setup update. So not too much big additions, some pluses, some minuses. Uh, overall, I really hope that we can resolve the um, mini situation. But at the same time, <laughs> I'm not An so sure. An excuse to buy new stuff. No, no, no. I'm not so sure. And that's because of me starting to dream a bit. Uh-oh. So in the second part of this episode, uh, I um, <clears throat> uh, made the mistake oh, no. to not buy nothing. No worries, I didn't buy anything yet. But I was like, you know, I need to prepare a topic for the episode. And I was like, I was just like randomly browsing things. Um, As course, you do. Yes. Of course, you know, like we're moving, getting a condo. So there's a lot of expenses. So... Maybe not the best time to think about buying gadgets. But at the same time, what I realized is now that we'll be owning a property, there's things that we cannot do here that we can go tinker with, right? And all my friends, my family members that got property now, bought a house, something, they always have like renovation projects. So I kind of start to dream like, what if my first renovation project is like to add some of those things? Uh, one thing I always said when I would buy a property would be to put like Ethernet everywhere. Um, 
who knows it will happen but tonight <laughs> at, and this week i decided that we start to dream like let's try to build i don't want to and i, I say dream but again i want to sit down to her there's like what are the things i would like to improve currently that uh now that I have more flexibility on the things I can improve because literally if I want to destroy walls, I can do it like up to a certain limitation. But you see what I mean? Now that I can own a portion of a building or a building itself, uh, there's more things you can add and improve and make it a bit more smart. So some options that in the past I kind of wanted to improve on, but because of the current situation of living in an apartment, where some of the things you don't control for example um, the one we rent as central central eating and old buildings with water eating system and all that stuff like you don't touch it especially because you don't own it you don't want to be liable on fucking up something so for example ter- smart thermostats always has been out the door not a viable option they always look great um, there's always a lot of possibilities there nothing i can consider now that i know what eating system and cooling system i have i can start thinking about what i can do uh and that's that is on top of thinking about which um which ecosystem i want to be part of especially now that i have kind of one foot in one and another foot in the other i can't really right now because i'm only focused on philips U. And that it is both compatible with Google Assistant and HomeKit. I can use bo- I can use both Assistant and both technology to control the same smart elements. So if I want to add more things, now I need to make a decision because on on top of that, and that is getting hard. Of course, <laughs> uh, on top of that, I'm always reminded of your main advice from our uh, smart home guy, uh, smart. Yeah, smart home buyer's guide, which is always optimize for home kit. If, in my case, it is the case, if you have home kit Apple devices around you, because home kit is the most limited ecosystem today with the devices. Um, I think at this point, nearly even a year after we had the discussion, um, about Apple loosening some of the security elements, having more like software a solution to their security encryption they want on the devices. I'm going over this because I haven't really researched it too much. Like, what are the exact details compared to the other things? Um, this limits uh, who supports HomeKit. And as with typically like all the third party programs for Apple, like made for iPhone airplay this tends to skew up market it's costly to be in this program then it tends to be i wouldn't say upscale but higher up in the food chain uh types of manufacturer that will try to support it and in general the products are more expensive than uh competing products that don't support HomeKit. right because they have to have different technologies too um if I bring it back to another category that I'm, uh, I was not consider, I was not, I couldn't consider is uh, door locks. Um, door locks. There's a big variety of models on the market currently. Uh, those also are some of them are the ones that uh, they have 
Bluetooth dinguses inside the uh, inside the door frame that I've heard some of them with the reception the door frame not so great some of them even have a Wi-Fi repeater in them uh, so you have varying degrees of successfulness uh, with their uh, connection to HomeKit and it's funny I was going through the uh, the list of HomeKit compatible accessories and there is one I forgot its name let me just bring it up it's called the of course I need yes it is called the my goodness I think it's the link why did I lost it in my notes uh excuse me it's the Friday lock it's an European mint looks super pretty uh, but on their website, they're like, oh, we know that there's a problem with HomeKit connection. Uh, no worries. We're working on it. Not reassuring for like a 230 European dollars, <laughs> uh, home lock, even if it looks pretty. Uh, and it's in all different finishes. Yes, 230 euros for a smart lock. It's not reassuring to know that it's already not working or not working, but like causing problems. Another example I can think of is when Stephen Hackett tried to get his uh, HomeKit camera to work and he was getting spammed with notifications constantly and it sounded like absolute hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, would, I would say you're stealing a point, but again, uh, luckily, maybe not for the wallet, but luckily, uh, the building where we'll, we will be living is the type of condo building that all the units have their door already outside well, not outside but on the outside frame of the building meaning that everybody has an individual entrance to the unit not like a first entrance that is locked and everybody goes into this entrance and then you have like separate inside doors like in a hotel for example so it does mean that i could also explore uh doorbells or smart doorbells but again we go back to first trying to find models that are a supported home kit then that also support the new uh, secure HomeKit videos. And then we're down to one model. Yeah. Uh, and do you even want it if HomeKit sucks for this particular use case, let's say? Yeah. And that's that's the other problem because now you want maybe to have HomeKit because HomeKit is more like kind of a land-based, like, a, uh, like I say land, but what I mean is like local network-based technology because you might not want to have it like directly connected to the internet to somebody else's server, right? Yeah, or even just like like privacy reasons. Like, the, yes, I think the privacy concerns and everything are very valid, and I think that HomeKit video, at least if it works correctly, is a very good step in the right direction. It's just like so far, I have not heard very many success stories. Right now, you start to realize in this episode that we're not really dreaming because we're talking about a lot of problems. Yes, right? So that's kind of what I realized quite quickly in preparing for this episode is even if Madi is no object, let's say we have today, Yannick and I, we have like there's a a nice investors that want to sponsor this podcast and give us all the money we want to get all the gadgets to try. Hi, Spotify. <laughs> sure. Uh like I wouldn't be surprised that we would get up, we would receive great products. Um, um and again, I'll continue name name dropping some. Again, I haven't bought them. They seem quite interesting. You can find a lot of reviews from them. Um but again, it seems that we're 
we're there but not there at the same time like it's easy to buy a smart home but it is not at the same time because there's still a lot of limitation and i don't want to talk too much uh, today uh, about like all the chirp chirp like the, the the consortium that is like unifying everything because who knows we still haven't heard anything about that and I wouldn't be surprised that the COVID situation didn't didn't help uh, trying uh, having the company <laughs> work on that. But that's a different topic. But again, I started to backpedal and be like, you know what? Okay, if I want to dream about a perfect setup, let's assume that I will use what's on the market. But can we fudge it a bit? So let's go back to some of the categories I started to mention. Items I could not consider because of my apartment life. There's door locks, doorbells, and thermostats. Okay, you know what? Like, Let's assume we can find a device that works for all of them. Then you go into thermostats, and then you realize, oh yeah, in Quebec, in, I'd say, not normal, but in most homes, um, we use uh, line voltage. A block heater, uh, not block heater, but just heater in general, not like like furnaces or gas stove and stuff like that, which use low voltage. Um, so I was lo- I was happy to see in my Instagram ads. You see, there's a purpose to Instagram ads these days. No. Uh, <laughs> yes, make you spend money on smart gadgets. Um, kidding aside, though, that's quite true that I've uh, learned about this company through those ads in Instagram, uh, but they're also on Apple's website. Uh, not in the store, but on the HomeKit page, because there's the Misa company, for example, that uh, is providing uh, that is providing uh, baseboard eaters compatible smart thermostat with HomeKit at a reasonable price, 130 Canadian dollars, I think Canadian, maybe USD, um, but still, let's say 200 dollars affordable. They also have like package deals, so you know what? Like options starting to get in after you dig a bit more, so. We could, in theory, replace a couple of, of uh, thermostats. Okay, now we have controlled this new element in the Elm. Um, we could add uh, a door lock to see, like, uh, a door lock just to control the door. And then add the doorbell, assuming that uh, HomeKit Secure Video is reliable. And now we can start to think about, oh, there's a lot more automation we can do. One of the great automation I really enjoyed today is... Literally not caring about lighting when I leave the house. I'm, I'll be <laughs> honest. I'm really bad at this. Tony really dislike that, but that's a different topic. Uh, just like who cares? Like we're in the living room and then we're exiting. Most of the light bulbs are in the living room. So who cares? We let it in and then we'll just leave. And I know it locks. I know I wouldn't do that if I have a door lock because I know I would figure out, okay, did it work correctly, blah, blah, blah. But at least it would be like, oh, yeah, no, it confirms that I really locked the door when I'm in the garage or in the parking lot in my car about to leave. So that I'm sure I'll find it quite useful. Uh, but for sure, I wouldn't let it close the door. I'll like still use the key and turn the door. Uh, but again, making sure like with all the scenes, you say good night and you make sure, oh, Turn off the lights correctly. It locks the door. It confirms that there's nobody weird in front of you, in your front door too. And then you start you start to see. Oh, okay. I can evolve my current setup without spending too much, but getting even more benefits. And that's where the wallet starts to open and be like, oh, 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 that's dangerous. If you add on top of that, 
some of the the items I never really considered investing in, just because again, yes, because of a current situation, but because I had really no use. Um, again, it's kind of related to the um the apartment life, but yes and no. So you'll see it's this middle category. Uh, a good example of that is light switches. You could say that I could have done some electricity to do that. Didn't care, but uh, as we mentioned in multiple uh, times, light switches are a good example to cheaply, uh, not automate, but uh, smartify some of your lighting equipment. And uh, now that I have way more lighting to take care of (laughs) and I'm cutting the number of bulbs, it's like, maybe not, maybe not. And the other one on top of that is because we have baseboard eating, we also we will also have an EC, and surprisingly enough, uh, AC themselves did not get smarter, uh, which is something I, I assume there's a limited amount of models. Of course, again today we're optimizing for HomeKit, so uh, so if it supports Alexa, sorry, who cares? Maybe Yannick will care for that, but not me. Um, and a bit with thermostat because you need another another device that's a bridge, right? To kind of like fake your uh, uh, your AC remote IR blaster remote. Uh, <laughs> those devices are limited. There's maybe a model or two. Uh, I have a friend that has one, and he told me the one he got is not Omkin compatible, but the company uh, that uh, uh, that released it uh, has a now an Omkit compatible one, but it seems to be missing in action. Like you go on websites, like oh. It exists. Can I buy one? Nope. So it's it's a bit weird. So you see that slowly but surely, even if I'm trying to keep the balloon inflated, it's hard to keep it inflated uh, with the current setup. If you kind of, again, have money, no object. And that's kind of where I'm going with the moral of this episode is even if money is no object, you need to try a lot of things. And that's that's what's making me reconsider a lot of things. Even if I want to enjoy maybe more automation, um, if we now move to uh, some of the wildcard items, we're looking at blinds. We're looking at <laughs> uh, stuff like, like window furniture, let's put it this way, uh, window clothing. Um, and I realized that IKEA released smart blinds that are quite cheap, uh, and that also uh, work with the um, the trod free. Uh, no, no, the trod free. Excuse me. Sorry for my Swedish pronunciation tonight. But uh, that's the second uh, home accessory uh, that is compatible with HomeKit, which are those smart blinds. Uh, so interesting again possible cheap option adding a third bridge to the system again adding more equipment adding more equipment you need to manage network things uh, outside to router so we slowly but surely coming to uh, the end where i'm like man even if money were no object there's no coherent story you could have uh, with omkit and that i was a bit saddened about it I felt that if you were a bit with Google Home, with a lot of the Nest products, it's easier to have a coherent, a consistent storyline inside your house where you have like a couple of gadgets that can easily stock together. But again, you have to um, downplay certain things. You might have to be less 
I would say I was about to say less careful, but less conscious of some of the privacy aspect of Nest and even even worse Amazon with uh, the Ring doorbell as we discuss mm-hmm. in great lengths, or even a bit Alexa. But again, I think what Alexa suffered, I think Google has suffered, and even Apple has suffered now. So I'm less concerned by that. But again, I don't want my home camera feed to be sold to fucking uh, fucking police officers to help them yeah. do something weird, right? Um, but this consistentness where you can buy one bridge and you can have a home story throughout it where I don't think you can go as extensive and the walk art territory into like smart blinds, for example. You have to rely to more like typical, like kind of a home automation companies to go there. Like IKEA is trying to slowly but surely going there. Either uh, we thought about uh, Lightron, which is a common a common te- a company to do that, like really to bring uh, home automation like for like 30 and 40 years um, in home before the big like giant uh, tech corporations start to do so. But then you go in even in another price category and at that price category, they still don't offer everything because Lightron is focused on lighting and window shading and that's it. And a bit of like a AV systems too, but they're focused. Oh, there. really? I didn't know about that. I think a little bit, or maybe I'm mixing up with another company. But the the where they have technology that are compatible with each other, where you can like turn in turn on your AV system, which also will turn on your life in a specific set, plus lower down the shades. And I think Lightron is associated with that. I might be wrong. I might be mixing. It, it would make a lot of sense, yeah. But again, if now you want to maybe have some. Smart light, yes, but if you want to bring back uh, smart eating, smart cooling, doorbells and locks, you're missing that part where you now have to rely on those things, on on the typical uh, tech companies for that. So what I started to realize, even if I was trying to, like, let's dream, let's dream, is that (laughs) you need to become a fucking network administrator too to do so because you do end up with buying a switch that lies next to your router to connect all those small like dingus bridges to make sure everything uh, uh, everything works. But the punchline is, even if I need to do so, I'm quite excited that I might have a future down that path. And I was not expecting that because even if all of these ecosystem needs a specific bridge, I think still today... The value that they can bring to your uh, setup and your, I guess, automationness outweighs the cost of managing it. Hopefully, if it is as reliable as uh, what the company says, and it seems that if you look carefully at reviews online, you can find good example. We talked about Lutron. It might be good to optimize with spending a bit more money, goes with Lutron accessories to optimize lighting and shading. Uh, you might be focusing on some specific companies for door locks and doorbells because those are the more uh, recommended solution for that problem because they've been rock solid. Which in the end means that for now, you might have to be in this dual world where maybe some of your accessories is on HomeKit only or that's will be rare, I would say, but that are on <laughs> HomeKit and Google Home but that some of the uh, accessories you choose, you might have to say, I know this one is only on Google Home and 
that is okay for now. I assume that I'm throwing this money out for the next two years. I know it will work for the next two, three years. It might still work for the next five, ten years. But once I guess something is more like once HomeKit gets more accessories, I know I'll replace it because I want it in a Korean ecosystem. And all of that is not helping me because I'm not thinking like, oh, so if it's good for the long term to be in two ecosystem, maybe I should get more Google Assistant speaker. And at that point, I'm like, okay, no, 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 we we need to uh, (laughs) circle it back and really see and focus on like, what would be the mech, the big next thing. Um, And what I mean by that is, I want the next accessories to be a bit like my Roomba. We've discussed at the beginning of the episode about Roomba, about its powerfulness, like its impact in our day-to-day life. And I feel that some of those accessories, I could start slowly but surely adding to my setup to really measure their uh, impactness in the day-to-day life. And I think that's literally where we'll end is because even if I'm daydreaming a lot about this, focusing on not the tech stuff, but on how you can improve your own life uh, is where you wouldn't mind spending a lot of money. And that's where you can start dreaming about the setup, but focusing on improving your day-to-day life. So I'm eager to see where my home setup will go. I wouldn't be surprised that this episode is more or less part one uh, of kind of mm-hmm. my raw thoughts of like where would the setup would go. Uh, I do agree that some of it is still raw thoughts because literally I've been talking, thinking about what I would say exactly for the last four days about this uh, because this is a funny... Surprisingly, it's kind of funny way to spend time just Googling and then researching and then just thinking and all of stuff. So I, I hope that tonight I was able to kind of like show that in a raw form and that we will continue having those discussions. And hopefully that maybe Yannick, you'll see uh, in the next, I don't know, six months in a year where you would like to evolve your system. Uh, because I recall when you were breaking up some of the discussion that your dad's ad to you and that's inspired your episodes. Like, those problems are still not solved. And I really hope that soon enough, somebody somewhere will solve that. I shouldn't say that, but that (laughs) tech companies will have a clearer vision to help us answer these questions. Well, I I think it's kind of funny uh, because like, I'm actually quite satisfied with my system as it is right now. I don't really see any reason to add to it. And yes, like certainly the fact that I'm in an apartment limits what I can do to a certain extent, but I don't really feel limited in what I'm currently capable of doing, which is smart plugs and uh, light bulbs is more or less all I need right now. Uh, Where I see a lot of overlap with my personal nerdy habits and consumerism is comparing it to all of the bullshit I do to play retro games. Um, I've spent like, I think the last year, year and a half looking at video switchers of like literally (laughs) every kind of video signal that exists. And I both love all the options and hate all the options that I have available to me. And like, there's some overlap with the smart home thing because uh, like in an ideal world, what I want is, a giant smart power bar that I can hook all of my consoles up to and a video switcher that can talk to Alexa. 
And then I just want to be able to say Alexa PS2 and the video input is switched. The power is switched. So only the PS2 is being powered up because some of the game consoles have like are constantly draining power, even if you turn them completely off, which is stupid. Um, and like right now, there's absolutely nothing that can do that, of course, because video switchers are not even in the hemisphere of these smart home systems. So like I would have to roll my own with like Arduinos or Raspberry Pis and shit and like video switchers that are good are incredibly hard to make, apparently. So it's like it's probably out of my expertise. So I've just been looking at dumb videos uh, switchers and like there too there's a bunch of like dumb ecosystem shit that you have to take into consideration uh like i have a video scaler that outputs vga which means that i have limited output options as well at the other end of that and like i've just been trying to make the perfect graph of like consoles to monitor and seeing all that stuff and then like every couple days i'll see like a crt on the side of the road and i'm like why don't i just throw all this shit out and get a crt instead again it would be so much better and then like that's the sort of uh indecision that i feel you're in right now with the smart home stuff is like there's a lot of enticing stuff you see the end goal of what you want but like the options kind of all suck and you're like eh, do i just keep waiting until something happens or do i spend money and throw it out in a couple years and like i i think that's where i am with retro gaming right now where like obviously i've only played like ps1 games for the last two years so i'm pretty sure i like retro gaming like that's not much of a gamble but like all of the equipment around it is incredibly daunting to get together into a coherent setup and that's why people have entire jobs making youtube channels that explain that shit because it's mm-hmm. insane yes exactly that's i think i should bring up again that if we have a, a kind sponsor that want to have yannick and i do that for them uh, we're always open uh maybe not for me not this month maybe let's talk next month uh but getting aside to yeah no correct like uh, there's a lot of uh, fun to have there uh, and uh, while I hope that you were able to uh, dream a bit with me at the same time, imagining like what you can uh, change in your uh, smart home setup or even start your own uh, smart home setup, that uh, I hope that at the same time you realize like yes, it's not easy, but there's a lot of fun to be had there. Definitely, uh, it's it's nice to have projects. Yes, and that is I would be surprised that's going to be my uh, current one. <laughs> is that it yes it is all right so you can find show notes where we will link to all of these various products and stuff at limitlesspossibility.net slash one four four probably we're going to link to the previous podcast where we've talked about this stuff that too i think we should just link at empty uh, photos of empty wallets at this point <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, you can find all of our previous episodes at limitlesspossibility.net. You can also stay tuned for news about our special guest, Limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Sakurina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can find Yukadivki at Lukonosh. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-U-S-H-E. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.